When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hi again, welcome to Talking Real Money. I'm Don McDonald, and thanks for listening. This is a show about your dough, about how you make money and do all the other things you do with it, like save it and invest it and spend it and retire on it and all that stuff. And the thing we most want to do on this podcast, on our Saturday show that becomes a podcast, is answer your questions, no matter what they are. In fact, I don't think I've ever screened a financial question out. I may have screened a wacky question out, but I haven't gotten one of those in such a long time. I don't remember. But financial? Nah, we don't screen those out. And today we got a very thought-provoking question. Uh, It came in a different way, but um, I wanted to start the podcast with this because I think it's that important. This comes in from a gentleman named Matt, and he asks if we could do a podcast about an article that he sent me from a website called Physician on Fire. And the article is entitled Confessions of an Ex-AUM Financial Advisor. Now, I'm not going to read you the whole article. If you want to go read it, you can read it. Um, And uh, this is a guy who used to be a commissioned insurance salesman. And then he got religion. And then he went to work for a fee-only advisor who charges a fee based on assets. It's an AUM fee, assets under management fee. And that fee generally runs for most firms somewhere from about 1% to I've seen it as high as three of your assets. And he says, hey, if you have a million dollar portfolio and you're paying 1%, that's $10,000 a year. Yup. It is. And he argues that, well, what about the small customers? Uh, His firm wouldn't take anybody with assets below a quarter of a million. Yep, because it just doesn't make financial sense. When you have, if you're at 1%, you have a client with $100,000. That's $1,000 a year in management fees at 1%. Now that may sound like an awful lot, but when, you know, how many of you run a business, the costs of running a business, particularly a financial services business are astronomical. I mean, it's kind of like being a doctor. The, uh, the, the malpractice insurance is huge. The regulatory costs are overwhelming. We, as a, as a fee only firm, We've had we've had this discussion for a full decade. I have always been the one who says, we got to help small investors. How do we do it? And we've experimented with all kinds of ways to do that. And 
you know, come up to have a way to handle small accounts. But even at and we've never charged this much, but even at one percent on a uh, on a on a ten thousand dollar account or a hundred thousand dollar account, we couldn't cover our expenses. It was a money loser. There's just no way to make it profitable. No way. We tried and tried. We've offered a thing called Vest Starter. Uh, we offered uh, Vestry One, which was a, a, a process where we made thinner portfolios, offered a few less services. But still, with all the costs, we could not find a way to make it work. And the funny thing is, there are a lot of robo-advisors who have tried to come up with low minimum, $5,000, $10,000, $50,000 minimums to manage your money. And I, I think that's great. But the fact of the matter is, they're not profitable. There's an adage in business. It's not even an adage. It's a concept. You must make money to stay in business. You have to. So, um, you know, I, I, I wish all of the robos really well. But also bear in mind, most robo-advisors do one thing and one thing only. They asset allocate for you. That's great. But there's more to managing wealth than asset allocating. And the author alluded to that in the piece, but he kind of poo-pooed it like, well, so you got all these other services like financial planning and tax advising and all these other things, but is it worth it? Well, I'm not the one who says it's worth it. As a matter of fact, Vanguard is the one who says it's worth it. And you should go read this study. As a matter of fact, I think we have, I know we have a link to it at TalkingRealMoney.com somewhere. It's called Vanguard's, Vanguard's Advisor Alpha study or paper or something like that. Advisor Alpha. Alpha means a return over and above the benchmark. Added return. And Vanguard has run these numbers. Now, Vanguard's a do-it-yourself company. They've run these numbers over and over and over again. Don't take my word for it. Go read the paper. But Vanguard said, and there was another study done a couple of years, either before or after, and I don't have that right in front of me, but that said something similar. Vanguard says a fee-only fiduciary advisor adds about 3% per year to your return. 3% per year to your return for a variety of reasons. You know, everybody acts like it's just build a portfolio, leave it alone, you're going to make a lot of money. Or build a portfolio, actively manage it, you're going to make a lot of money. But that's not the way it works. Managing money is about managing you more than anything else. It's not about managing the portfolio. And, you know, deep down, you know that's true. It's about managing you so you don't do stupid stuff. And that's what a good fee-only advisor should do is help you make the right decisions help you build a portfolio that fits no matter what the market's going to do for you, that is going to meet your goals or your goals need to be adjusted, and who makes sure you stay the course and keep the discipline. That is harder to do than most people realize. No, I, th I think older investors, once, a lot of them realize that, they, that they, it's hard to do on your own. Some are good at it. Others stink at it. So a fee-only advisor is not right for everybody. And no, it doesn't work. The math doesn't work for someone with a $50,000 portfolio. At that point, you got to go to a robo 
to get the proper allocation. Or one thing we've tried to do all along is build simple portfolios for those with 10,000 or 5,000 or 50,000. Simple portfolios, because when you're starting, you really don't need the guidance as much, and you can use us on the radio. And the other thing we've done is something he he said, yeah, if you don't have enough, if you don't have the quarter of a million dollar minimum, they'll just smile, wave, and send you to the door. That's something that I hate. And that's why when you hear me say, if you need help, you're going to call us. We're actually going to give it to you without trying to sell you something. Or we're going to, or you can call our office or set up an appointment with one of our, our advisors, a team of advisors. And let me tell you, they're going to help you get started. No, we can't manage your portfolio and keep doing this day after day or week after week or month after month or year after year for you. But if you get started right and you maintain the discipline for a little while, then if you continue to need help, we're there for you. If you don't, fantastic. You know, to say that we're right for everybody isn't wrong. It's just wrong. To say that a fee-only advisor is something everybody needs is wrong. But a lot of people do. And the reason they need it is because of the things you will see in that Vanguard Advisor Alpha study. Rebalancing regularly. Keeping the fees low as possible. Because remember... You could go to a 1% per year advisor who's actively managing a portfolio and they could put you into funds with fees of 7 tenths, 8 tenths, 9 tenths, 1% more per year. And they do. So if you have a, I mean, our highest fee is 9 tenths of 1%. So with us at 9 tenths of 1%, plus we've gone, we've gone out to find fees that are really low on the funds annually, our all in costs are below one and a quarter percent per year below one and a quarter percent per year there are actively managed mutual funds that charge more than that plus a commission up front and they're not doing anything else for you so they're services but if you don't need them don't pay for them and if you're just getting started call us and we'll help you that's a promise Thanks for the question. I really appreciate it. And remember, you can call your questions in anytime to 855-935-TALK, or you can send them in via TalkingRealMoney.com. Go to the contact page, and a lot of people send them in that way. We do get calls. We, it's funny. It goes in, in, uh, in streaks. We get a lot of calls, and then we get a lot of written questions. And we're in a written question streak right now. So I'm going to sneak in just a couple more of those before we end this podcast because I don't want to leave too many hanging. This one comes out of Maryland. Uh, the the uh, message starts out, Hello, Don and Tom. Other than having the simplicity of a single fund, is there an advantage to owning Vanguard Total World Stock Index over using the Vanguard Total Market Index plus the Total International Index Fund? I like the idea of having control over the amount of international in the stock portion of my portfolio and would love your thoughts on this. Thanks for all the great advice you give. There's a huge advantage to using the one fund. This is why we don't suggest the Fidelity 2 funds. Having the one fund takes care of something that I was just talking about that makes a a fee-only advisor valuable. It takes care of the rebalancing. It automates it. It makes it a discipline. You can't muck it up. That was with an M. You cannot mess it up. 
because if you have control over the U.S. international allocation, human nature is to try to spin the allocation a little. Let me see. The U.S. stocks have been doing really well, so I think I'll add more to the international. That, That would be a contrarian position. Most people, though, would go, well, I'm not buying those international stocks because they've been doing terribly. I'm going to keep buying the U.S. stocks because they've been up 13% over the last 10 years. That's stupid, Arian. And uh, either one of those philosophies could bite you. You're trying to time the market, in other words. And that's what people do when they want to control their own allocation. I would, if you're very disciplined and you're always going to go look, and say, all right, the U.S. to international ratio in the world right now is 53.47, and my portfolio is 55.45, so I'm going to adjust it back to that, to the uh, the uh, 53.47. Good. Okay, then, if you want that extra step, go for it. But I don't think most people like that extra step. So why bother? Thanks so much for the question. I really appreciate it, and let's sneak in one more really long one before we call it a podcast. The subject is, <laughs> I like this subject. I even like the, the, the guy's email address, but hey, okay, I'm not going to tell you his email address. The subject is, I'm not on FIRE, F-I-R-E, all in caps, the Financial Independence Retire Early acronym. Hi, Don. Let me start by saying I am a longtime listener. Never heard that. Recently, I I went back and listened to all the podcasts that I could find from oldest to newest. And it has helped me tremendously. Do you know how many podcasts we have up there now? We have like 200. We're approaching 300 Talking Real Money podcasts. And then there's my other ones. He continues. I'm not looking to set my retirement on fire but I would like to retire somewhere around 50 or at least be financially independent. Good for you. I know you're not a fan of the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early. Frankly, neither am I. I also know the topic doesn't come up very much because your audience tends to be people nearing retirement and trying to figure out how to retire the best way they can with what they have. Personally, I want to be more proactive in planning for my future. Good for you. I'm not planning to take Social Security until 70. Me neither. So I need to come up with about 20 years worth of income. Currently, I fully fund a Roth IRA for both my wife and I. I contribute to my 401k. But since I don't get a match, I've made the Roth IRAs at Vanguard a priority. Good idea. This year, I'm planning to max out my 401k, too, splitting it between Roth and traditional. I understand I can't touch the qualified money without a penalty until 59 and a half, so I'm planning on saving 10 years' worth of living expenses in a taxable account. I will plan to draw down that month, that amount monthly to basically zero by the time I can use my retirement accounts. He means the qualified. So I have as much money tax-advantaged as I can. I don't do well reading legalese. Really, me neither. Uh, So I have a tough time with tax law. I assume that during the time I have no income except for capital gains on my taxable account, I can recharacterize my pre-tax money to a Roth and keep myself on a low tax bracket doing it. Maybe. (laughs) I'm going to go back to your comments in a minute. I need to stop on the maybe. 
the mate the only if yeah if everything is as it is today the answer is yes just that the government messes with stuff so who knows but yeah oh yeah that's a great strategy because you'll be in a much lower bracket if you're taking out uh capital gains at a much that that very low capital gains rate you're going to be in a much lower rate you're going to be in probably very good shape for recharacterization which would be really good for you down the road or could be i would start taking pre-tax money when i turned 59 and a half if i could balance it out properly i would aim to have a modest amount of pre-tax money by the time i turn 70 so that i can have the ability to withdraw money however it is best for tax purposes I know this is this a lot of this will change if I decided to work a job that I enjoy instead of being fully retired. Are there any issues you see with my plan? Would the standard deduction help offset the money recharacterized from pre-tax to Roth? Do you have any suggestions of how I can do it differently to maximize tax benefits if I choose to be fully retired? Again, thanks for all you do. I tell people that, uh, I tell people about you too and direct them to your podcast every time investing comes up. You really do have the best financial podcast. And that's a guy 35 years old. Oh, he says, P.S. Sorry about being so wordy. <laughs> it was wordy. But I think you're, I, yeah, first, I'm going to say, good for you. You're smart. You're proactive. You're planning. Although, you know what they say about the best laid plans. But you have to live with whatever the situation is today and plan based, for the most part, on that. The nice thing is, is that you're going to have a combination. You're going to have a combination of Roth. You're going to have a combination of uh, pre-tax and a regular 401 IRA account. Uh, You're going to have all of that money that's in the taxable account. And as as a matter of fact, if you build that taxable account, if, if over the years, as you earn more money, you're just 35... If you're able, you you fully fund your 401, you fully fund your Roth IRA, you're left with nothing else except the taxable account. Fund the taxable account so that you have more than enough for 10 years. Good for you. You don't have to draw it down. There's no law that says, but you'll never get it exactly right anyway. But I think your strategy is sound right now. I really do. And uh, as a matter of fact, I would just kind of keep an eye on my tax bracket along the way. You may have opportunities to recharacterize in a low earning year. I don't know what you do, so just pay attention. But I love the idea of when your income goes down on a taxable basis uh, that you you recharacterize. I think that's really brilliant. So, so far, so good. I like what you're doing. Keep listening. I can't believe you listened to all the podcasts, but congratulations. You win some sort of prize. A hearty congratulations. That's your prize. If you want to send a question, go do it. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on the contact button or call. Call them in 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Also, Tom and I will be live on Saturday taking calls live. It means conversation uh, Saturday from 3 p.m. until 5 p.m. Eastern. That's Saturday the, what is that, the 3rd, 2nd, 1st, 1st, 1st of February. 2nd is Super Bowl Day, right? It's Groundhog Day, too. Huh. All right, so uh, call the show, too. And thank you for listening, and please tell friends like 
Ryan did. And please tell family members and please tell everybody and subscribe to the podcast and take good care of yourself. And we'll talk again tomorrow. By the way, I think tomorrow's show, the quality, it's going to stink. We had problems technically over the weekend, but we'll do the best we can. We're working on it. All right. Thanks for being there. Thanks for talking real money with me. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.